we can get through this lesson. Let's go to the book of St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. I'm going to be re- begin reading at verse number nine. You're going to need your Bibles because I'm not going to put it up on the screen. And so St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Uh, that's where I'm going to begin reading at here tonight. St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. And beginning at verse number nine, <clears throat> look what he says. <clears throat> and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. In other words, sitting at the gate. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. I'm going to need all of you all that are co-hosts tonight to watch your screen and let people in as they as they sign on. We got about two or three co-hosts. So let's let's co-host. Verse number 10. And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And then verse number 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. And I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's not forget that. I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Verse 14, then came to him the disciples of John saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, in other words, often, but thy disciples fast not? 15, and Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. 16, no man putteth a piece of new cloth unto unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. In other words, the tear is made worse. And then here it is, verse 17. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved, and both are preserved. May God have a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word tonight. So now when you look at this ninth chapter of the book of St. Matthews, you're going to have to take shorthand tonight. In the ninth chapter, when you look at verses nine through 13, verses nine through 13, those verses deal with the call of Matthew from being a tax collector. So God calls Matthew from being a tax collector. That's in verses nine through 13. But then when you look at verses 14 through 17, all right, you will notice that he defends his disciples for not fasting. He defends his disciples for not fasting. 
Now, you have to understand, because when you go back to the sixth chapter of the book of St. Matthew, the question of fasting had already been answered by Jesus. All right. And so John's disciples just were not aware of it. And so let me give you guys a little bit of background of this particular passage in order for you to fully understand uh, what's taking place here in this uh, ninth chapter. All right. Uh, John, he John was in prison and uh, the threat of capital punishment hung over his head. And of course, his disciples were naturally concerned. And so they were fasting often in his behalf, asking God to deliver him. And they could not understand why Jesus and his disciples had not joined in fasting for John's release. All right. So we're fasting for John. He's he's there in prison. They're going to give him capital punishment. Look like everybody in the whole world ought to be fasting for John. All right. Jesus and his disciples, they did not join into that fast. All right. So John's disciples, they had been taught. Okay. They had been taught according to John 11, uh, verse number 18. They had been taught by John to fast and to fast often. John taught his disciples, you need to fast and you need to fast often. And so they were also deeply steeped in Jewish religious practices, which demanded much fasting. They demanded much fasting. And so what happens here is Jesus seems to break the traditional ritual of fasting. And so therefore they they could not understand how he could be the Messiah and be so irreligious. How can you be the Messiah and not go along with what John is teaching his disciples in regards to fasting? But you have to understand this, that what Jesus did was he enlarged the question of fasting to include all religious ceremonies and rituals, rules and regulations. Now notice something. They just wanted to deal with fasting. Jesus wanted to enlarge it and deal with their religious ceremonies, all of their rules, all of their regulations. And so what he does here is he used three illustrations to show that he was ushering in a new life, a new age, and a new covenant between God and man. All right, Jesus, don't miss that. He's ushering in a new life, a new age, and a new covenant between God and man. And so the truth of the old religion and its practices were to be preserved. You notice that that was the last portion of the scripture that I read, okay? They were not to be done away with. I want y'all to get this because as we come out of this pandemic and as everybody's saying it's the new church, it's a new way of doing things. It's a, you know, blah, 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 blah. I understand that. And I agree with that a thousand, well, I'm sorry, a hundred percent. Somebody said, don't say thousand, just keep it at a hundred. When you go past a hundred, it's too high. I believe that, okay? But at the same time, you have to understand that Jesus did not come to do away with 
We have to understand that. Okay. And so, and so he's saying that the truth of the old religion and its practices must be preserved. All right. They were not to be done away with. However, watch this. Now there was to be a greater truth, a greater truth, a truth that superseded all former truth. He, he had been sent by God to bring a new life to man. So I want you to know the focus of this new life was his presence. You know how many of y'all know that changes everything? <laughs> In his presence is what? Fullness of, of joy. So, so, so the focus of the new life was his presence, the presence of the bridegroom. And so Christ is the bridegroom of the new age the new life, and the new covenant. He is the bridegroom of the church. He's the bridegroom of the church. Now, you have to understand, and those of you all that's been coming on to Zoom for Seniors, it's amazing how everything is just kind of tying, just wrapping itself around and tying. Oh, my God, it's so wonderful. It is so beautiful. I love the word of God. Because we're dealing with the we, 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 we're dealing with the different ages, the different dispensations. We are in a different age now than they were in the book of St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. <laughs> we are in what's considered the church age, the church age. Fact of the matter is, let me let me let me go ahead and say through our studies that we've been discussing, we are in the final stages of the church age. If there's ever a time that we need to be preparing our hearts and really preparing our minds to meet Jesus, now is the time. Because we are in the final, all right? We're, we're at the end of the church age, all right? At the end of this age is when the rapture is going to take place. So I'm not gonna discuss that because you need to sign on Thursday to get the rest of that. But I need you. I need to clear that up that we are in the church age, all right. And so, 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 so Jesus is the bridegroom, all right, for this church age. And so, now notice what John disciples questioned Jesus about, questioned him about fasting. I'm gonna help us tonight, even on fasting, all right. John's disciples. Now notice who disciples they were. They were John's. <laughs> Anytime man has his own disciples, there's going to be some, some, some going to come up. Some coming up, get ready for it. So John's disciples were criticizing, grumbling, and complaining. How come? Because Jesus' disciples were not doing what John's disciples thought they should be doing. Jesus' disciples were not fasting in prayer and asking God to deliver John from prison, nor were they fasting. Watch this, two times a week like all religionists were supposed to do. You guys just thought that Kojic started fasting Tuesdays and Fridays last year. <laughs> you know, Kojic Church, come on. We're supposed to fast every Tuesday and we're supposed to fast every Friday. And so this is the problem they were having because Jesus' disciples, they wasn't fasting twice a week. And so therefore they considered his disciples that they were living loose lives. They were not following the rules and regulations of religion. 
Okay. Now, I want I want us to think about something here. How often, how often we criticize those who veer away from the traditions and rules that we practice and often find easy to keep. There are some rules and regulations that some of us find so easy to keep until we don't have to think about keeping them. <laughs> we've been following we've been following them for so long. It, it, it has just about become just a natural way for us to to live. But listen, it's easy to criticize a man's weakness while overlooking our own. Sometimes we can have the weakness of criticizing. We can have the weakness of grumbling and complaining because of what people's not doing and what people should be doing. Come on here, somebody. You guys remember Martha that was in the kitchen with her sister Mary? <laughs> Martha sitting up there getting ready to serve Jesus, but what? Her attitude was wrong. She went to Jesus and criticized. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, many things trouble with thee. What's your problem? You're criticizing Mary. But fact of the matter is, Mary had chosen the best part. So, so, so while we criticize and mumble and grumble uh, and complain about what people are not doing, let's search our own hearts. All right, I didn't mean to go there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's search our own hearts. And then think about this. Why, why is it that those who are criticized and murmured against the most are those who are so often serving the most? They're the very ones that's, that, that's doing everything. And it's the people who don't do nothing. I'm going to teach this lesson <laughs> What's the person who grumbles and mumbles and complains the most? John disciples. <laughs> People who do the least complain the most. And this is the issue and this is the problem. How much damage or how much division and damage is done by murmuring against God's people? How many people have been discouraged? How many people have given up? How many people have thrown in the towel? Okay. Jesus is dealing with this in this lesson. It don't do no good to talk about John and his disciples if we don't talk about ourselves. Let's stop mumbling. Let's stop complaining. Even though others are trying, let's stop mumbling and complaining. Hmm. All right. So now Jesus answers, watch this. He answers the question about fasting by giving three illustrations. Write them down real quick. Number one, the first illustration was that of the bridegroom. That of the bridegroom. The second illustration is that of the new cloth. The new cloth. It's right here in the text. The third illustration is the new and old wine. <clears throat> now, don't y'all get thirsty tonight. <clears throat> so we have the bridegroom, the new cloth, 
and the old wine. Now, 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 when you deal with these illustrations, you have to understand you're dealing with the new covenant, the new life, and new age. I'm going to show it to you tonight. <clears throat> Let's look at the bridegroom in verse number 15. <clears throat> the first illustration was that of the bridegroom. Now, the bridegroom pictures a new life and age of joy. I don't want y'all to miss this. A new life and age of joy. The illustration is clear. During the marriage festivities of a bridegroom, as long as the bridegroom is present, his attendants rejoice. It is a joyful, festive time. And so what was Jesus, when he talks about the bridegroom here, he was teaching us several lessons. The first lesson he's teaching us is that he is the bridegroom. Lesson number one, he is the bridegroom. All right. So since he's the bridegroom, the children are the attendants or children of the bride chamber. He is the bridegroom. Number two, his presence was an occasion of joy and rejoicing. His presence was an occasion of joy and rejoicing. Now, y'all know good. Well, I wasn't going to stop there. Wedding should be a time of rejoicing and joy. You guys knew I wasn't going to pass that up, didn't you? If, if you go to a wedding and you see the bride coming down crying, something is wrong. She ain't that happy. I'm telling you now, she ain't that happy. <laughs> she need to turn around. <laughs> and let me tell every single person that's on here, those of you that's married, it's too late. But every single person that's on here tonight, I don't care if the church is packed. I don't care how long your dress is and how long the train behind your dress is, if that's what it's called, a veil or something, whatever it is. All right? I don't care how white your dress is. I don't care how many people's there. You have until you say, I do. A lot of folk, let me move on here. Oh, I, never, I know a lot of folk <laughs> wish they had to just walked away and been embarrassed and saved them. All right, listen. <laughs> no, 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 no illustrations on this point. No, no, I'm not going to interrupt, Pastor, but I just want to point out it's not always the bride that's crying. That's it can true. Be the, it can be the groom that's crying. <laughs> that's true. Thank you so much. The groom could be crying. Most of the time, it's the bride. <laughs> the groom is happy. Most of the time. And that's true, though. Sometimes men are indecisive. Don't know and not sure. Get to the point, it's too late. That's another lesson. All right. So his presence. <laughs> all right, his presence is to is what makes the difference in life. Watch this. If he is present, there is no reason to mourn. Uh-oh. I want y'all to follow me here. If he, the bridegroom, Jesus, is present then there's no need to mourn. He brings joy and rejoicing to our lives. 
Come on. Either we need to stop saying it's in him that we live, move, and have our very being, but yet we're the saddest people on the face of the earth. He brings joy to our lives. And then what's this? Number three, we have he's the bridegroom. His presence was an occasion of joy and rejoicing. And, and then number three, his presence was going to be removed. His presence was going to be removed. I'm dealing in the text here now. Now watch this. It wasn't until his presence was, was removed <clears throat> that the absence of his presence would cause the disciples to mourn and fast. The absence of his presence. All right. We know that Jesus' presence brings joy. All right. We know that he brought in a new age and a new life. It is a new age and life that supersedes the mechanical and external rituals and ceremonies of religion. All right, it is an age that brings God's presence down to man. I don't want y'all to miss this. How many of y'all know he comes down to us? Hmm. He comes down to us. And so he wanted to put the emphasis on God's presence, not on rituals and ceremonies. Okay, how many times you do some, how good your program is? If the Lord ain't there, so what? Y'all, come on, walk with me now. We done had enough shows. We've had enough fashion shows in church. Hmm. You want to see some fashion shows, come to church. Go to a convention. I'm going to cry loud, spare not. We've had enough of that. How many of you all would agree we need God's presence? We need God's presence. And so watch this. The presence of Jesus Christ it gave the disciples a sense of God's presence. They were with him. His presence filled them with love, joy, and peace. Fact of the matter is, guess what? It infused them with a conviction and confidence of living forever in God's presence. Therefore, they had no need. Watch this here now. They had no need to be fasting to gain a closer walk and a deeper consciousness of God's presence. The reason why, here's the reason. They were already walking close to him. Let me hit the rewind button. <clears throat> they only had to mourn and fast when they did not have his presence. Pastor, you saying we should never fast? That's not, I didn't say that. I'm just teaching the text here tonight. Because sometimes I do believe our fasting is a waste of time and I'm going to show it to you in a minute. I'm just fasting. What you fasting for? I don't know. Uh -uh. <laughs> I'm just fasting because they told me to fast. I sure be glad when 12 o'clock come though. You might go in the kitchen and eat. Let me help you guys. They did not need to fast until he was gone. Now, the same is true with us. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
When we are aware of the bridegroom's presence and walking close to him, there is not as much need to be fasting. Don't miss it. Fact of the matter is, when you're walking close to God, and when you are in God's presence, he's the bridegroom, that's time for praise, rejoicing, and service. Now, follow me, walk with me. When the bridegroom, when Jesus seems to be far away, <laughs> and we are not so conscious of his presence, and when we are not walking as closely as we should, then we need to fast and seek his presence and his power. Don't miss it. Now, Pastor, that mean I can't fast unless I'm not close to God? No. But there's always there always must be a specific reason for your fasting. <laughs> there has to be. Jesus even says, these things come out only through what? Fasting and praying. What things? You have to read the rest of that scripture to discover what things. Fasting must have a purpose. So watch this. John disciples fasted. They went without food as a sign of mourning for sin and preparation for the Messiah's coming. Jesus' disciples did not need to fast because he is the Messiah and he was with them. That's the part I don't want you to miss. They're criticizing and mumbling and didn't even know what they're talking about. Ain't that true? Sometimes folk grumble, don't even know what they're grumbling about. They don't even know the whole situation. So Jesus did not condemn fasting because you'll see in the Bible, he fasted himself. He emphasized that fasting must be done for the right reason. Must be done for the right reason. And so the believer's joy or sorrow is determined by his sense of the Lord's presence. I'm going to say it again. Your joy or sorrow is determined by your sense of the Lord's presence. This is true with the bridegroom and his immediate attendance. And it's true for us today. As long as he was present, they had joy and they rejoiced. When he had to go away, they mourned and they fasted. His death brought sorrow to the heart of any who saw it and understood it. But it brought joy soon after, for there was the knowledge that he lives forevermore. All right. It ain't no different than we lose a loved one who dies in the Lord. When we first lose them, oh, my God, we mourn, don't we? But then our mourning turns into singing when we grasp hold of the promises of God. 
that absent from this body is what? Present with the Lord and that we'll see our loved one again. That brings joy to our heart. That removes the sorrow. <laughs> so number one, he's the bridegroom. Then the second illustration he gives is that of the new cloth. He was ushering in a new life and age, which was stronger than the old life and age. He could not take, watch this, he could not take his teachings and patch up the old teachings. That's what he was telling them. I can't take my teachings and patch up that too much patching. Okay. It would not only detract from the good of the old, it would cause a tear that would be greater than what was going to naturally happen. There was going to be a tear in the old religion and teaching. It was going to be, it was going to be a natural tear that occurs when any new age or movement is launched in a major way. This pandemic have caused a tear. <laughs> if you was patched up, the hole is bigger. Okay? But the tear, watch this, it would be greater if he, Jesus, had attempted to patch up the old. And so the followers of the old would react even more violently and quickly than what they would have. But the news says, but as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Y'all follow me. Jesus said, very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, what? He cannot see the kingdom of God. Titus 3 and 5, not by works of righteousness. The old said that you had to work your way through this thing. But the new says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. When did he save us? While we were yet sinners, he saved us. And by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Anybody have the Holy Ghost here tonight? I'm just now starting to feel like teaching y'all. By the renewing of the Holy Ghost. My God. And so don't, 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 don't. I want you to think about it. There was a tear. There was a tear. There was a pulling apart between Jesus and the old religion with its rituals and ceremonies. He was saying, notice, he was saying that the tear would have been much greater if he had adopted the old and reformed it. He didn't reform it. Can I tell y'all something else? Hallelujah. When you, before we became saved, 
He did not reform us. He didn't take our old life and patch it back to get put some patches in our old lives. Let's let, let's put some application to this. That's not what he did. But if any man be in Christ, he is a what new creature. How many of y'all know there's a difference in something that's new and something that's used? It might be new to you, but it's still used. It's still old. Look at my new car, honey. It's a 1986. Look at my new car. That car is new to you. (laughs) But the car is old. So he did not patch us. Hallelujah. Both the new and the old would have been useless had he done that. No good for any man to wear. Y'all remember the days when you was growing up and when you was going to school? If you had a torn, a, a, a hole in your pants, it was embarrassing for mama to have to put a patch in your knee. And don't let her not trim around it good, because then you could see where the patch was. It was embarrassing. The kids would tease you. That's the old. Look at the new nowadays, though. They wear jeans with holes in it. We wouldn't have never thought about it. We were embarrassed about the patch. Y'all talking about a new age. Oh, come on here, somebody. They now got, I mean, half their behind is sticking out sometimes. And the knees, thighs, everywhere got holes in it. Jesus said, I come to give you a new pair of pants. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. Cover it up. That's what he say. He said, cover. And so the true religion would have been drastically torn and unsuitable to clothe a man. Think about it. Many are attached, even today. Come on. Come on. Many are attached to formal, formal religion. And they put their trust in its ceremonies and rituals. When we speak of rituals, all we're speaking of is traditions, practices, procedures. How many of y'all know some procedures need to go completely out of the church? Some procedures need to get completely out of the body of Christ. <laughs> our practices and our procedures. So going through the mechanics, going through the process of religion is what is thought to be important nowadays. A person feels that he or she is, is acceptable to God. Huh? Just 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 because they just because they worship him. Anyone who says otherwise, hallelujah, or attempts to change the tradition of religion is considered radical. So I'm a, I guess I'd be considered radical tonight. I'd be considered losing my mind on a public forum. Hmm? Come on here. When I talk about when I talk about worship, let me explain something to you guys about worship real quick. Okay? Let's 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 think about worship. Worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. All right. In other words, it's it's a, it's it's a love. It, it means to revere. It means to respect. That's all it means. 
And then the spiritual implication of definition is to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. We worship God. So there's two different definitions there. And that's the that's reason why Jesus said they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't worship him in your flesh. A lot of people worship a lot of people. Come on. Many people worship tradition and not God. They worship rituals and not God. They worship religion and not God. They worship ceremonies. They worship fellowships and not God. They worship jurisdictions and not God. Y'all ain't got to help me. They worship districts and not God. Anytime you have more love for working in the church, anytime you have more respect for working in the church than you do for God himself, you worship that thing. Oh, y'all don't like me tonight. Y'all better be glad I didn't have time to study. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to get put out the church if you ain't careful. Put me out. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and land, silver or gold. Just give me Jesus. I'll stand on the I'll stand on the corner and declare it that we got to worship God. Now, y'all, please don't misunderstand me because I got notes everywhere here tonight. Please don't misunderstand me because when we talk about listen, when we talk about religion, okay, when we talk about religion. You, you, you have to understand what, what religion is. See, some folks don't even know what religion is. You know, they just say, oh, yeah, we're passing this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. No, you, 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 you have to understand, you have to understand what, what religion is. And when you deal with, and when you deal with religions, okay, you have to understand what, what, what rituals are, Okay. When you think of, let's let just go through this real quick, because I want y'all to understand it. When you deal with, of course, uh, uh, when you deal with rituals, that's the same thing as ceremonies and sacraments, and 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 really they all in, all pretty much the same. When you deal with tradition and different things like that, all right. But when you deal with when you deal with religion, you have to understand that religion is just really it's it's a belief. It's a conviction. See, some people think religion is a denomination, Church of God in Christ, Apostolic Baptist. That's not religion. Religion is a belief system. Religion is, is a creed. It's a, it's a conviction. Religion deals with faith, but it just depends on who you have your faith in or what you have your faith in. So I say, give me that old time religion. Give me the religion of my mama and my daddy. Because they believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They believed in the true and living God. That's all religion is. False religions is when you bow down to Baal. That's false religion. Okay? I, 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 give me give me true religion. 
that aligns itself. So, so when we deal with, you know, somebody say, I don't want religion. I just, I, 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 some people don't even know what they're talking about. They need to be quiet because they hear somebody else say it. They hear somebody else say it and it sounds good. You need to know what you're saying. Don't give me religion. Just give me Jesus. No, I want Jesus and religion. I want Jesus and faith. I want y'all ain't following me because without faith, it's impossible to believe God. I had to get my faith from somewhere. The teachings of my faith. So don't don't knock religion. Start. I help y'all here tonight. What happens is when you have the wrong religion and when you focus on nothing but tradition and ceremonies and fellowship, what happens is we have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. Somebody put in the chat, I'm tired of the form. I'm tired of the form. I don't go through the form no more. I done been through it for years. I don't need the form. It's time that we see the power of God. Don't make no sense. We go to a holy convocation with 30,000 people and people still walk out of there sick. Sometimes they walk out sicker. Where is the power? Come on here, somebody. You make them mad when you try to get their money to give an offering. Where's the power? God will supply. I'm tired of the form. All right, let me, let me give you the third point and then we're done for tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So he said, no, you don't, you don't put patches on, on clothes. No, you don't do it. He said, I'm going to give you a new cloth. Come on. You guys like new dresses. You like new shoes. Come on here, somebody. New purses. I like new suits. Come on. God declared, I will do a new thing. Remember not the formal things of old. I'll do a new thing. He made a new covenant with us. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees would have had us all in hell by now. But God said, I bring you new life in this new age. And at the end of this church age, we can still live. And then last but not least, we have the illustration of the wine, new wine and old wine. Now, y'all don't ask me what kind it was because the Bible don't say. I think if Mitch McKinney was teaching this, he would say they had some metasherry or whatever that he always used to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So y'all don't start naming them. Don't start naming them. <laughs> Keep your covenant with the Lord. Now, you have to understand something. Let me give you a little more history. This is good, ain't it? This is good. This is good tonight. This is good. In Bible times, wine was not kept in glass bottles, but in goat skin sewn around the edges to form watertight bags. And so new wine, I read this now, I don't know this by experience, new wine expanded as it fermented, stretching its wine skin. So, so after the wine had aged, the stretched skin would 
burst if more new wine was poured into it. So new wine, therefore, was always put into new wine skins. Cut the old wine skin was wore out. <laughs> and so Jesus used this description to explain that he had not come to patch up the old religious system with his rules and traditions. His purpose was to bring in something new, though it had been prophesied for centuries. The new message, the good news, said that Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth to offer all people forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. In other words, you try to separate who could be saved, who can go to heaven. He said, no, I come to set the record straight. I didn't come to do away with the law. I come to fulfill it. Now, I'm all of the law. You get me inside of you and you fulfill the law. Oh, y'all ain't, y'all ain't listening here tonight. <laughs> all right. The good news did not fit into the old rigid legalistic system of religion. It needed a fresh start. Somebody say, put in the chat a fresh start. How many of y'all know God is still capable of giving us a fresh start? When we go back in on the 30th, I'm looking for a fresh start. The message will always remain new because it must be accepted and applied in every generation. Let me tell you this. The message don't change. The message then must be the message now. The next generation, the generation after that, we cannot change the message. The power is in the unchanged message. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's power on the salvation to everyone of every generation that believes. So the new and old wine illustrates. It illustrates a new life and age of, watch this, more power. Christ was saying two things there. Here's what he's saying. Number one, he said the new wine would burst the old bottles. My God, somebody missed it. The new wine is going to burst the old bottles. <laughs> in other words, the new life and age which he ushered in, it had too much gas and energy and power for the old bottles. <laughs> the pressure would burst the old bottles. It was just too much power. Hey, God, can we come? Can we have some more power? Well, we burst the old bottles. Oh, my God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, Sister Laurie, that they're going to put me out, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly Abundantly above all we ask to think, according to the power that worketh where? In us. 
You talking about senior power, senior power? No, his power ought already be in you. Holy Ghost power. Strengthen with all your might according to his glorious power. And so the answer. <laughs> Let me give you the answer here now. The answer to handling old and new wine is to preserve the good of both. Don't miss what I just said. Preserve the good of both. If you're a wine drinker, there's some good in old wine. Come on here. There's some good even in old wine. So he says we have to preserve. I should have rephrased that. If you used to be a wine drinker, <laughs> preserve the good. Everything ain't bad about the old. I don't want y'all to think that's what pastor's saying here tonight. Even Jesus said there's good in the old. <laughs> Scripture says seek for the old path. And do what? Walk therein. The old religion was not to be cast aside. It has some strengths. It has some benefits. The answer was not to reform it, but to fulfill it by ushering in a new life and age. I like to look at it like this. <clears throat> the old bottles or restrictions were not strong enough to contain the new life which Christ was bringing. And that's what's happening today in, in our world and in our church. People want to experience God. <laughs> They don't want to experience our rules and regulations and traditions of men. They want to experience God. Consequently, they're bursting the old bottles. They want the new life which he brings. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And then he said that, 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 that you put off concerning the formal conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And so the new wine, I'm closing here now. The new wine would have been lost. It would have been lost if it had been put into the old bottles of religion. There would be no life or age, no hope for man whatsoever. One of the biggest mistakes made by men, and don't miss this, is they're pouring new ideas and new methods into old bottles. That is into the old restrictions and ways of doing things. That's a big mistake. And then last but not least, we must not, 
as a church, as a people, as a body of believers, we must not let the traditions of the old way bring about our death. I'll say that again. Now, if anybody know me, I'm old school. If you know me, I'm old. For me to be teaching this, God is doing something. I'm old school. I admit it. But I also have to admit that you got to open your eyes. And you have to see the signs of the time. <laughs> you must see the signs of the time. You have to see what age we are not in. Scripture talks about how the old man was crying while the children were dancing in the streets. Got to learn how to bridge the gap, bridge the two. So we might not, so we cannot afford to allow the traditions of the old way to bring about our death. Our rituals, our ceremonies, and religion will die apart from the new life in Jesus Christ. So I'm not saying you don't get rid of everything, but you make sure that whatever it is, God is in it, and that the presence of the Lord is involved in what we do. Because even we ourselves will die apart from his new life. Our traditions, our religion can keep us from him by focusing our attention upon them instead of him. Let's watch our focus. Let's refocus. We can't put new wine into old bottles. Because it will burst because of the energy, the vitality, the spiritual fermenting process. The old bottle cannot handle the new. Pastor, what are you saying? You get rid of the old folk? No, we need them. We need their wisdom. We need their counsel. They've been there, done that. <laughs> I've, I've lately, Sister Carla, I find myself calling the senior pastors the old guys. I don't call the new cats to find out what they're doing. I call the old guys from different denominations, not just Kojic, Baptist, AME, CME. Apostolic, don't matter, because the old have wisdom, because they've been there and they've done that. So we don't cast them aside. We bring them right along with us. <laughs> we bring them along with us. Quite sure this modern technology have scared many of them. You all be surprised how many pastors just feel like really just giving up because they just don't know what to do and how to do. And, oh, God, what am I? I don't have nobody to help me. I, I, what, what am I going to do? I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to sit down and you're going to listen to me and I'm going to help you. And <laughs> I'm going to help you get your church uh, on virtual. I'm going to help you get your sound right in your building. I'm going to help you. That's the least I can do. Help. Okay. And so let's not. Be weary and well doing. When you fast, have a purpose, a specific purpose for fasting. Don't just fast because we say fast. 
You can fast more than <laughs> Tuesdays and Fridays. <laughs> they were fasting to make themselves look like they were better than everybody else. And they were pious. And because I fast and, and we give to the poor, that makes us better than you. No, it don't. You know why it don't make you better? Because if you've been with the Lord and you have his presence, then you know who God is and what